The Breakfast Show. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 on the Faith FM network. And you are joined by myself, Danuta. And today our co-host is Matthew stepping in for Lawson this morning. Good morning to you, Matthew. Good morning, Danuta. And good morning, friends of Australia. Ah, and we have a little bit of a tired voice there today from Matthew. Tell us why. You actually had a really big day yesterday. What were you doing? I sure did. I was working on the Tut Road Show with uh, Wayne's Ministry. That's that semi-trailer that has a mobile museum on it. And we do like 12-hour shifts minimum. And, uh, yeah, I actually sprained my ankle there. Oh, no. Hey. And I'm just surprised to be here because by chance uh, Lawson's ill uh, with his health and he's asked me to step in, which I'm able to do because the rest of me is functioning just fine. That's so good. And, yeah, on a day like that when you're doing 12 hours with students going through the Tut Road show, you're actually um, doing a lot of talking, aren't you? Because there's a lot of questions. You're explaining things. Of course, we had Dr. Wayne French here about two, three weeks ago now talking about the Tut Road show. Look it up. Google it. Tut Road show, it is actually a big semi-trailer that has... Um, a three-room uh, museum, mobile museum. It is high-quality museum that has actually got replicas as well as originals of um, uh, of different things like uh, the, the Tutankhamun throne uh, and the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Rosetta Stone. So there's a whole lot of historical, fantastic archaeological things in there, aren't there? Absolutely. So, yeah, what do you love most about doing that with the kids in the schools? I love seeing how the kids are able to connect the archaeology, its history, with Bible accuracy. Okay, so that's for the Christian schools where you actually go to the ones that actually have some Christian stuff with it as well. But a lot of schools also have just the historical this component as well because that is largely what's actually in there and everywhere. And there's also video clips that are there as well, which are really fantastic. Coming up on our show today, we have our interview with Doc, with Rod Bailey looking at agriculture, always a fantastic segment. In our news, we're looking at Freemasons and new ways to receive drinking water and in the Bible, we are going into our Bible study looking at loving others as we love ourselves. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, Matt, pick, uh, take it away, please, for our first quiz question for today. Absolutely. Okay, friends, get ready. Our first question is, Jesus compares himself to a mother hen. Is this true or false? Mm-hmm. So Jesus compares himself to a mother hen, true or false. Okay, so you have 50% chance of getting it right, which is really exciting. 50% for true or 50% chance for false. Good chances. Text us in on 0491064669. That question again, Jesus compares himself to a mother hen, true or false. And you'll go into the draw that happens tomorrow at quarter to nine right here on in our studio. And we are giving away two books this time. The most important book, of course, in the world is the Bible. And we are giving away a new King James Version hardcover Bible that has got large print. 
16 font large prints. So you don't have to go like, you know, at the moment, I did say today, hey, that I'm needing to go and get my eyes checked. I think there's been a change in my eyes yet again for the reading section. So I need to go and get it checked. So anyone with needing, have large print, the good thing is you can read it easily. But here's the greatest thing too with it. You've got the whole Bible, but you've also got the Bible study sections out the back that have been written by John Bradshaw, who is on the show. It is written that is on TV. Great speaker. Great faithful worker for God. That's how we'd also put it, wouldn't we, as well? Absolutely. He's and he, done. he loves sharing Jesus with people. And the other book is Satan's Trojan Horse, God's End Time Victory by Norman Gully, where it actually helps, you know, unpacks the whole Bible prophecy explained over the last 2,000 years. He wrestles with thorny topics as the problem of evil, the theory of evolutions, God's foreknowledge versus human freedom and atonement, and exposes Satan's um, desires, of course, of trying to pull mankind down and away from Jesus. But the great thing is Jesus fights the battle for us if we allow him to as well and that's all about surrendering to him so the two books of course are the new king james version bible and then satan's trojan horse god's end time victory is what we're looking at and today we are wanting to say hi to our listeners in lock sport isn't that an interesting name of a place lock sport yeah how do you spell that um l-o-c-h so not the l-o-c-k Sport, but lock Just as like, in Loch Ness, like like not ne- like not lock. Oh, sorry, what have Loch I done? Loch Ness <laughs> Island. <laughs> <laughs> My tongue twisted right there again. Hey, so yeah, so like Loch Ness Island. <laughs> I had to slow that down, didn't I? Sorry, sorry. So Loch Sport in Victoria. That's a lot easier to say on eighty-seven point six FM. Now, do you know where that is? No, I know where Shepparton is. I know where Footscray, where I was born, is. Ah, like Danny, who was born there. Yeah. But, yeah I'm, I'm intrigued to know. Okay, um, so it is, of course, yes, in Victoria. It's roughly halfway along the 90-mile beach, and it's just so it's a sleepy kind of coastal town, and it's actually situated, um, yeah, and Lake Victoria in the central Gippsland, eastern Victoria area. And catch this. How many how many people do you think might be there? In this particular town? Yeah, yeah. It's pretty small. All right. 10,000. Well, lots less than that even. So back in the 2016 census, there was about 800 people. Whoa. Yeah. So the thing is, it. so I don't have the 2021 census, but it's actually great for camping, swimming, fishing, and general beachiness. And so the thing is that lots of people, like tourists love to go there during the holiday time. So I'm assuming that for Christmas time, that is going to be one of the places people will want to go to. Okay. Moving right along here, we are looking at new ways to receive drinking water. Mm. We love drinking water, don't we? Because it's so important for us. In fact, if we had just bread and water, that is the most important stuff that we need to survive, don't we? Don't need the chips, don't need the chocolates, don't need all the lollies, those sorts of things. Yeah, we've both got (laughs) bottles of water right here. Mm -hmm. So here's the interesting thing, right? Onica Technology Onica Technologies actually turns seawater to fresh water. Um, and typically what's actually been done is thermal process or reverse osmosis uh, through, th- sorry, the thermal process or reverse osmosis. Um, and they offer an all-in-one desalitation system. And it's done in an innovative way and it's that is actually sustainable. Now, here's the thing. 300 million people, that's a lot of people, isn't it, rely on desalitation plants worldwide, mostly done using fossil fuel. Wow. Okay? 
So fuel, they're using fuel. So no, so here's the interesting thing is that Canada, um, if the startup system that they're looking at through Onica Technologies is successful, it might be able to decarbonize the whole desalitation industry and it would actually make water that can be drunk from sea water. Now, here's the thing. The startup Onica in Canada uses molecular machines and they attach it to the bottom of the sea and they convert three-foot waves to mechanical energy. So they put it right in the bottom of the ocean, right, the whole whole whole, um, whole plant that they've actually got, yep. and then it actually converts the waves, so they're up towards the top of the sea, to mechanical energy, and this in turn makes a form of osmosis that is referred. Now, I'm testing you, of course, because osmosis have been science days in school. I'm sure lots of listeners do know what osmosis is, but here's the thing with osmosis. What it does is actually a movement of particles from the high to the low concentration. Okay, so you've got high concentration and you're moving it to low concentration because most things usually move from low to high. So this is what osmosis is, okay? And so... So with the startup Onica in, uh, in, in Canada, it actually t- makes a form of osmosis that is actually reversed. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it actually makes th- 13,000, catch this, makes 13,000 gallons of drinking water. Wow. And with climate change, it's expected that more people will globally will rely on desalination plants. <laughs> so we've already got 300 million people relying on desalination plants, but it's actually going to be increasing in even more because of climate change, okay? So a lot of places aren't going to be having good drinking water, and as we know, drinking water is essential. Especially good quality water. Good quality water, that's right. And I think of ADRA, for instance. So ADRA stands for the Adventist Development and Relief Agency. We um, we have this charity worldwide, um, and in fact, I remember, like, you know, well, uh, lots of people go overseas, for example, to places like Cambodia and some of these other countries, Vietnam, where in a lot of places people have to walk long distances to actually get good, clean water. Um, and so ADRA has actually gone into a lot of these countries and actually, you know, dug, dug deep in and made these pumps that actually bring out fresh water so that people don't have to walk long distances. Now, so desalitation plants are important as well for that very reason. And so Onica, the advantage is for the sea-based rather than land-based desalitation. And here's the reasons why. Because it takes up no land space. So you think of the small islands, they actually, you know, will still have their land space, but they can actually have their desalitation plants in the sea, in the bottom of the ocean, which is fantastic. The other reason, the other advantage is that molecules from the sea desalitation don't actually emit any greenhouse gases. Fantastic advantages, aren't they? To the climate, absolutely. Yeah, fantastic stuff. So, um, so here's the thing. Onica's technology mixes saline solution with three quarters of the seawater each day and they'll release back to the ocean 25% salt content more than before. And so they're actually doing something that is uh, climate um, friendly. friendly and land friendly, you could say, and therefore people friendly. And, you know, my mind went to the story of the good Samar- um, of the, the Samaritan woman at the well. When Jesus comes, this is written about in John chapter 4. It's one of my favorite stories. And Jesus comes to her and he's sitting on the, on the edge of the well and she comes to draw water. And, of course, Jews and Samaritans didn't, didn't mix, right? But he says to her, give me a drink. Mm-hmm. 
And there's this interaction. But then he says to her in verse 14 of chapter 4, But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And here's the thing, you know, you may not 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 quite realize that what is the thing that is missing in your life, but we want to say, you know, give Jesus a go because the thing is he will give you everlasting life, just like we thirst for water. It's about thirsting for him. And I've had those moments many times in my life where I just need thirst for him more and more. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Matthew stepping in for Lawson this morning who's not well. What a beautiful song that was. Just so and so fitting with what I just shared in the good news. Thanks so much, Show. You're always super, super good and super quick with getting the right songs in to match what we're talking about too. What beautiful words to refresh my weary soul. I know where there's water. And of course that water is Jesus, Jesus. Christ. Jesus Christ, you know. And so if your soul is feeling weary, come to Jesus. And I love the story you mentioned before, Danuta, about the, the Samaritan woman, where Jesus is letting her know that you're coming to this water daily to yes. survive on a daily basis, but the water I give you is everlasting. 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 Beautiful thing. And in many ways, that's a bit beyond our imagination, and yet at the same time, in our simple faith, we accept it, don't we? We do. Because we have never experienced or know what everlasting life is, but we can we accept it by faith. Absolutely. That's the key, isn't it? By faith, we accept and believe. Um, because Jesus says so, he promises, and he's a faithful God. Okay, our next quiz question, please. Matthew. So, friends, our next quiz question is, what is the root word of the words blanked out in this passage? No blank has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be blank beyond what you are able. But with the blank will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And it's in 1 Corinthians 10.13. That's it. And so the one word fits all of those blank spaces. Blank, one, blank, blank. Just the root word we need. To. That's right. The root, root word. word. That's right. The root word is what we're looking for. So one one word. Okay. So the question again is, what is the root word of the words blanked out in this passage? No blank has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be blank. Beyond what you are able, but with the blank will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. First Corinthians ten thirteen. Text us in your answer on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine and you'll go in the draw to win a fabulous new King James Version Bible hardcover, large print with great Bible studies. You won't want to put that down in any kind of way. It's also got the parables and miracles of Jesus. It's got a fantastic concordance. Um, it actually stars, indi- stars indicating messianic prophecies. Um, just fantastic stuff. Of course, the best book in the world that you can read. It has everything, drama, prophecies, love stories, uh, battles, blah, all sorts of things. Hey, so you just, you know, best place to go. But most importantly, it's the book that turns you to Jesus and and who's the one that gives us salvation. The other book is Satan's Trojan's Horse, God's Enemy End Time Victory by Norman Gully, of course, looking at that battle between good and evil, between Satan trying to pull us down, but Jesus stepping in even more and trying winning the victories for us. That's that an end time victory. There will come a time 
at the end when Jesus comes that there will be an end to evil. Absolutely. And that, the, that's the exciting thing. They've got to get that book, that um, you know, really say Trojan horse, because that is giving us an insight into the plans of the enemy. And if you want to get that victory, you want to know what he's up to so you can avoid him like a plague. Love what you're saying. Yeah. Absolutely spot on. Well done. So text us in your answer on 0491-064-669 and you'll go in the draw that happens tomorrow at quarter to nine on Friday. That is tomorrow. Okay, take it away, Matthew, with our news segment, please. Yeah, this is a really interesting topic and I'm really fascinated about. Now, the title of it says, The Vatican Confirms Ban on Catholics Becoming Freemasons. So, Freemasons, who are they? Well, they're a fraternity group and also known as a secret society. And when we hear that word, we think of, you know, up the Hollywood elites and how they're connected to the Illuminati and all these kind of organizations. Now, the issue that Catholics have is their doctrines being confused or spoiled or connected to the doctrines of Freemasons. So essentially what they've done is they put a ban on their members wanting to sign up to become a Freemason because they don't want any sort of connection with the clashing of their fundamental beliefs, essentially. Now, what's ironic is that they will willingly promote um, the areas of gay marriage and that now, which, you know, uh, it's, it's kind of a thing now in society, but they don't want to have any connection with Freemasons. So that's what this article is seen as ironic, that they're, they're full, full-heartedly supporting in one area but not in the other, so maybe trying to dish out a bit of hypocrisy there. But the overall, you can see where they're very guarded to their, to their values, the, the Catholic faith and the Vatican. Now, with Freemasonry, they've been around for hundreds of years and also high levels of different ranking peoples in all professions. We're mm. talking from Hollywood superstars to musicians and even to royalty That's have been right. associated with uh, Freemasonry. And here's, here's an interesting uh, thing to read where i like to quote here from Premier Christian News. It says this, According to the United Grand Lodge of England, modern Freemasonry is one of the oldest social and they're a charitable organisation as well. And they're the most charitable in the world and they're rooted in the traditions of medieval stonemasons. That's how far back they mm, go. That's right. Um, goes on to say 14th that the, century, yeah. 14th century. It says the group says it has 180,000 male members with two parallel female lodges in England having another 5,000 members and estimates a global Freemasonry membership at about 6 million. Wow. It's huge. It's global. It's all over the world. And the thing is, of course, with them, they, they, they're very, they, they don't share, um, you know, a lot of, about themselves, the Freemasons. You know, you, you, you go in, I know even some of the country towns here in Australia, you go and the buildings are that the windows are up really high yes. so that no one can actually look in and what they're doing. I remember seeing a Freemason one time for voice therapy when I was a speech pathologist and he was having some problems and part of it was that he was having problems when he was doing some of his um, things uh, during the Freemason services and I asked him if he could actually demonstrate it so I could actually pick up you know where the problem is and how and when it happens but he of course said I'm, I'm sorry I can't do that because they're, they're quite secretive with, with their with, with their with their beliefs and with their um, ceremonies, ceremonies. Yeah. that's the word and I you hit that on the word uh, yeah, that word you mentioned is secretive it's a secret society mm. and it's elite members come in and they, you know, they do the rituals of you know, swearing them in into different ranks in fact one interesting rank that they get to it's called 33rd degree that's the highest of it all 
And my recommendation is if people want to know more about the subject of Freemasonry, there's a gentleman named Dr. Walter White. He covers that in a series called Total Onslaught, I believe. Mm. And you get a really insightful uh, look at the history of Freemasons and their inception in the world today. And Dr. F- Dr. Walter Weith, if you actually uh, Google him, was a Freemason himself. Oh, actually, it was his, um, his father. So, sorry, that's right. Degree. That's right. He was father was at the thirty third degree, yeah. and so he knew a lot himself um, as he was growing up. Yes. And he, of course, has become a Christian himself, and he follows um, the Christian ways and uh, the, uh, the biblical principles. He himself is a Seventh Day Adventist yes. Christian. Um, and he's done some fabulous series on looking at uh, the beliefs of the Freemasons and how and where that kind of, um, you know, how, how does that equate with what the Bible actually says on different sorts of beliefs as well? Absolutely. And as a connection I'd like to make uh, with Dr. Walter White, he was actually an evolutionist, a strong evolutionist then. Now he's a, a very avid supporter of creation science. Very much. Um, very, very huge supporter of creation science and a really good speaker as well, isn't he? And yes. And there's a verse I'd like to connect to this particular information we're sharing today, and that is, with Jesus, he's not a secret society. He's an open society. Oh, to love everyone. it. And there's a verse that says in John chapter 8, verse 32, you, you'll know this one, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Amen. Yeah, and that's the beautiful thing. Yeah, you find the truth, which are, of course, all in God's word, um, and they give us freedom rather than bondage. Absolutely. And when we, when we try and do things secretively, you know, um, yeah, there's this, there, there's this d- degree of discomfort, isn't it? Cause it's like, well, I can't tell this person or I can't do this or I can't do that, Distrust. you know. There, there is distrust that can actually happen. Mind you, within the Freemasons, you know, they actually, there is a strong trust amongst them, of course. Absolutely. They've got you a know, lot of hand signs that, you know, if you don't know the yes. hand signs, they won't talk to you. Yeah, no, that's right. So they actually determine if, when they actually meet each other by their hand sign, the way that they actually shake each other's hands. And so the thing is that, you know, I love what you say that with Jesus, you know, the truth will set us free. There is no secrecy because Jesus wants us to come to him no matter matter what he says to us to come to him as you are and I will give you rest you know he takes away our burdens and the beautiful thing is we can find rest in Jesus in every kind of way so give Jesus a go you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different Matthew, who is filling in for Lawson today. He's not well. He had his exam yesterday. We haven't heard quite how he went, but we're trusting that it has gone well. So we're grateful that Matthew is here today. Matthew, take it away, please, for us with our next quiz question before we go to our interview, please. Gladly. So, to which of King David's sons did he say, the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought? Hmm. Read it again. To which of King David's sons did he say, the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought? Mm, text us in your answer on 0491064669. And you'll go in the draw that happens tomorrow at quarter to nine. Um, the two books we are giving away, the best book in the world is the new, is the Bible. And the version we're giving is the new King James Version Bible that also has study different topics that you can study and find the answers for yourself also in God's Word. And the second one is Satan's Trojan Horse, God's End Time Victory by Norman Gully. You will want to have these in your home you will not regret it in every way okay it has come time for our interview with rod bailey on agriculture good morning to you rod morning rod 
Good morning. Oh, great to have you on the show once again. And we're excited because we always learn so much more. And I'm excited because I have an eggplant that has started coming up from a plant from last year. And it's a beautiful eggplant coming up. So I'm keen to find out more from you where you're talking about sustainability of our gardens today. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that. Um, Seedlings seedlings that grow from self-sowed seed are... Uh, oh, the, the the perfect example of sustainability, yeah, oh, on the cool. cycle of life that that God designed. Mm-hmm. Um, and interestingly, Danita, that seedlings that come up um, from self-sown seed are often stronger, tougher, True. and possibly more productive than those that you know we intentionally plant and then nurture. It's amazing how that happens. Not always. But, um, yeah, look after that little eggplant and it might just be the the thing you need to make lovely dishes all summer. Absolutely. And there's a few more flowers, so I'm hoping I'll get a few more coming too. But, you know, a few weeks ago, I even had tomatoes, um, plants that were coming up from the grass because they were self-sown as well. Tough, tough, tough. Mm. But, you know, um, our mild spring is nearly over and, Summer's coming. It's going to be hot. Mm. Um, maybe not as humid as we often get um, here on the you know coast of New South Wales where we are, um, because El Nino is here and we're expecting lower than average rainfall, but we're expecting it to be hot. And when it gets hot and humid, it's easy to lose motivation to keep at it in our gardens, doing those little things that keep our gardens productive. And mm. I, I thought thought we might talk today about a couple of tips on, on how to keep our gardens sustainable. Mm. Um, that means keep going, you know, um, <laughs> mm. in perpetuity sort of thing. Uh, you know, we hear a lot about sustainability regarding the environment in general at a group from the Port Macquarie Nature School at our garden last week, and I got the little... Grade ones who were studying, no, grade twos were studying sustainability and they were preaching the reduce, reuse, recycle and repurpose um, sermon to me. Um, wow. So that's reduce, which, reuse? Recycle and repurpose. Oh, and, yes. You know, that's they're all good principles, but I think one key of overall sustainability, if you like, is sustainability of our home gardens and of us as gardeners. Mm. Uh, So often we make a great start to a home garden. We get all enthusiastic and we we plant a spring garden, if you like. But then when it gets too hot or we get too busy, we peter out. Mm -hmm. And, And before you know it, our garden patch that we've invested so much time and money and effort into is a mass of weeds. So I thought we might talk about a few things that might keep us going when things get tough and our initial enthusiasm wanes and to stop our gardens being money pits. Like sometimes we spend lots of time and money and effort and decide it would be just cheaper to buy our veggies from the supermarket. Mm, mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be that way, right? No, no. So what are some of the really good tips that will actually keep us interested and keep us going even through the heat? Interestingly, you, you mentioned keep us interested. So a lot of what I'm going to talk about is happening between our ears. Mm-hmm. Um, 
as in in the mind, in, in what, what we think and what we plan. <laughs> exactly. And, and what we you decide know? and not decide to do, our choices that we make. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, simple things like starting with a strong why. You know, why are we doing this? Um, you know, get that straight in our minds. Why do we want to invest time and, and energy and money in a garden? Is it because we want fresh, nutritious produce? If Is it because um, we want to avoid pesticides? Is it because I want time um, it, it, doing something in nature that relaxes my mind? That's me. Um, that's me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. As so well as the you- other, as well as the flavour of everything is so much better than the ones on the shelves in the shop. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And so we need to start with a strong why, write it down, and then regularly remind ourselves of that. And that that'll keep us going. You know, we need clear goals. If think about it, if you don't have a clear side of a target and mm. intentionally name aim at it. What are the chances we're going to hit something truly worthwhile or satisfying? And that's interesting you raise that, Rob, because so often we think of setting goals for work or for our, you know, uh, planning holidays and things like that. But, like, I must say I've never stopped to think about setting a goal with gardening other than during COVID, you know, getting a whole lot of pots um, uh, as well as adding to the other parts of the garden, but also then getting pots and just put, you know, growing my stuff there just to keep me sane through COVID as well as watch things grow every single day and, and then get the, the, the joy of it afterwards with the harvest. Yeah, there you go. And I, I suggest that we start with small goals. Mm-hmm. Um don't decide I'm going to turn my whole backyard into a veggie garden. Um, mm. We need small goals, so not a big garden. Small needs to be achievable, something that we can keep neat um, in the time constraints we have, keep up with the weeds or even worse, the grass that wants to grow in your garden, and then enjoy a, a consistent harvest even if small. Mm. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, avoid the heartaches of lots of work and no harvest. So, um, yeah, so we need small goals. Um, and like anything worthwhile, success in a garden is going to take persistence and determination and hard work. And so we need to direct all of this towards a clear goal and then take small steps towards those goals. Mm. So um, in the garden, I believe this this comes down to small attentions often. Mm-hmm. Uh I sometimes say that's like a, a, a good marriage, you know. Um, going on holidays together once a year for a couple of weeks is far less um, contribution towards a good marriage than small attention. Oh, often. 100% agree with you right there. Yeah. yeah. My hubby bought me a new dress um, last week all on his own and that was real attention and that was like a real exciting moment for me. So, yeah. yeah. What a- <laughs> <laughs> the attention. <laughs> yeah, so small, thoughtful attention. So in a, a garden, if we can set aside a few times a week where we can uh, put aside 15 to 30 minutes during the week to get into the garden, um, that's much better than spending four hours on a Sunday. Right. Um, and, you know, it, maybe you've got a time in your week, you know, during your work week where you regularly feel stressed, maybe by Tuesday or Wednesday, you know, you're getting home in the afternoon and you're stressed and instead of sitting down in front of the TV, go and relax your mind in the garden as you work. Mm. Um, Just 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour, whatever, and, you know, we've got daylight saving happening and so 
Um, we've got that time to do it. E- even better to get out there for 15 minutes before work in the morning, you know, when it's cooler and um, more enjoyable in the garden. I love those tips, yeah. So what you're saying, Rod, is um, it's better to um, be consistent, you know, uh, with these small investments than to have these periodic uh, working of intensity. Yeah, that's exactly right, Matt. Um, and and it, taking those small steps, I find, makes things more sustainable. Um, yeah, uh, like even <clears throat> I've talked before about the importance of succession planting. So often we plant a big garden in spring or autumn or whenever, and we plant a bunch of stuff, and then we have this big glut of veggies. But, you know, a month later we've got next to nothing there. And so... The principle of succession planning is to plant small amounts often. So if you if your family uses two lettuces a week, um, either plant two or three or four lettuces a week or, or, or five or six every fortnight sort of thing. Um, and that way you've got, you've got a regular um, veggies there that are ready to harvest instead of planting a whole heap at once and then running out. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Really, really love what you're saying that with that. So small attentions often, few times a week to get out in the garden, plant small amounts often. Are there any yeah. other great tips with that too? Um, don't get too set in your ways. You know, weather changes, um, your family needs changes. Um, maybe you'll find a new pest um, or something that, uh, you know, so sometimes you've got to experiment with new ideas, um, maybe a different variety or maybe – um, a different mulch or thinking, oh, things are looking a bit dry, so I need to increase the amount of water that I'm giving him. Or, you know, if things are really struggling, add a little bit of shade. So, you know, observing what's going on, tweaking your system, um, doing things like that um, to, yeah, just, just you know, variety, doing something different is stimulating and, and keeps us interested as well. So, Except the challenge of, of thinking, oh, how could I improve this just a little bit? Um, how can I make this a little bit more simple for me or a little bit more convenient? Uh, maybe a timer on the irrigation so um, I don't have to think about that all the time. And when I forget about it, everything dies because I, I, I'm, I missed an irrigation, you know, watering on a really hot day. So, yeah, just mm. mix things up. Yeah. Love so, that. You so I'm just thinking that one that I think I need to start trying. Um, There's one that you mentioned, I think, a couple of interviews back about molasses into the soil. Yeah, okay. And, yeah. and, and tips like that. So I like what you're saying. Mm. Yeah, and, you know, just keep your eye out on social media or if you go in a, in a uh, bookstore, see, see a garden, on, you know, a book on, on home gardening, you know, just look. You know, keep things interesting. Think about different things. Find information. If you see a fantastic garden as you're walking around your neighbourhood, um, call in and say, hey, you know, to your neighbour, fantastic garden. How are you doing this? And have a conversation. Who knows what new ideas and what new inspirations you might come up with. Mm, I love what you're sharing because the thing is, like, it's it's not only that it gives us that great um, variety then also, like, as we put in the new ideas, we're going to get greater varieties of what we're actually doing and harvesting as well. But um, it'll be variety for our mind and our stress levels then as well. So it's benefits like right around, isn't it? There's like a win-win all right around. 
Absolutely. And those relationships you, you establish with other gardeners, um, they're, they're rich and fertile, you know, pardon the pun. Um, <laughs> so, so, so you'll be sharing, sharing seeds or sharing um, cuttings or, you know, ideas or whatever it is and relationships will develop and, yeah, your garden will, will take on a, you know, on, on a, I don't know. You look at it in a different way because now it becomes the the avenue through through which you can uh, you can enrich enrich your life in general, and you'll be sharing produce with 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 neighbours and stuff like that. And who knows where that's going to end up? And I love what you're saying because my mind goes to to the fact, Rod, when like when we were growing up, my mum would literally we had such a big backyard with veggies and fruit and and also flowers, but literally the whole neighbourhood was receiving stuff from our garden. Like I remember um, a lady from Iran that had moved into the area with her family. Mum connected with her and and in, would invite her around to actually use our the leaves from our grape um great you know our grape leaves from the vines and she yep. would roll those up and make their 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 um cultural food beautifully and then bring it around and they would just sit around and just talk for hours together as well but just I mean yeah just the whole neighbourhood knew mum from from the fact that she was sharing her garden yeah just that's beautiful. That's that's a sustainable garden and that's a sustainable experience and working towards a sustainable community. So, preach it, sister. Amen. <laughs> well, we get it from you too, Rod. We really love what you share every single time. Thank you so much. Um, sustainable gardening, that's what we're looking at today and we would love to see, hear from you how you have and will implement some of these ideas. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at one 800 Faith. FM.